Welcome to your Midwest Garden Podcast. I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy, and this is season number one, episode number one. Yes, our very first podcast ever. Yay! While we have done TV, we've done radio, we've done Facebook Live, we've done a lot of things. We're trying a more convenient way for you guys to listen in on our conversations. And and basically what our problems dilemma is what we happen to be fighting, what we're not fighting. And being that it's the Midwest, we're only going to cover basically going as far east as probably New York, as far west, oh, who knows. But we're stuck in a zone five. I'll explain that a little bit later on. Questions and problems, many in the Midwest gardeners, they're asking us questions on whether, you know, uh, we're having too much cold or we're having too much heat or when the best time to water, when, when you know, the rain hasn't come in, when are the bugs going to go away or what, what can we do naturally to knock them out? Well, you can listen in at your own convenience while you're gardening yourself. Yeah, walk around with your cell phone, punch it in, put a little, you know, earpiece in, I don't know what they're called nowadays, and listen in while you're putting things in. Um, we hope you enjoy and learn something as even the most basic subjects usually have a hint or a tip that, you know, you, you may not know about, but I'm going to bring people in that will know it. Uh, so let's get started. Now, today I brought in somebody that's, con- the, well, in, in Toledo, Ohio, he's considered the urban farmer. His name is Mr. Thomas Jackson. Um, and our, well, basically our subject centers around, right now, organic fertilizers, organic nutrients, organic seeds, heirlooms versus hybrids. Um, when's the best time to plant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thomas, you want to say hey? Hello, hello. How you guys doing today? Well, okay. I, I don't think that they can reply or respond that way. But anyhow, I, I wrote a list of things down, knowing that you were going to be here, and you can hear this paper flickering. Well, I, I'm placing some more emphasis on Midwest. Now, the Midwest is, is a generalization. We, don't, we can't plant anything the same time, let's say, um, Atlanta, Georgia's planting. I mean, for goodness gracious, they get warmer weather earlier than we do. Uh, the Masters tournaments, azaleas are blooming before we even have azaleas that come out for sale over at our garden centers. And by the way, our garden centers are Black Diamond Garden Centers in Toledo, Ohio, and in Perrysburg, Ohio. In case you had any questions pertaining to it, look us up online. Black Diamond Garden Centers, um, Toledo, and Perrysburg, Ohio. Anyhow, um, when I said it's going as far as far west, we could say, you know, probably Chicago area, as far east, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, man, New York also. Uh, but when it comes down to zoning, if you want to look and read something up, we're not going to talk to you, you know, in scientific terms. We're going to talk to you as basically as we can. Uh, the basic zoning that we're in, now the, the, the EPA has listed us, Toledo, Ohio, Perrysburg, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, Chicago, Zone 5. Well, that's poppycock. And I'm being nice when I'm, you know, going patooey, patooey. I'm not throwing it out of the way. The way that they zone these things, it starts at, you know, the highest number that you're going to find on there on the plants and on the tags means that it's going to be closer to tropical or the warmer the weather, the sooner the springs, etc. Um, for instance, the Zone 11, I'm not sure exactly, but I think that, again, is going to be about Atlanta and South. We're Zone 4 and 5. We're closer to Arctic, and we're in the southern Great Lakes area, meaning that uh, we can be Arctic when our winters are cold. And we've been lucky this year. We haven't had that much snow precipitation. We've had an awful lot of moisture and water. Now, last year, we had a boatload of water. Um, It was raining. People were wearing their parkas until about the middle of June. 
Now, I got a question to ask Thomas last year. When were you able to get out into, the, into your farms? Well, well, first of all, wait a minute. I want, I want to go. We'll go back to when he was able to get out and, and, and do something. But I need to explain who he is and why he is. Thomas Jackson acquired a number of properties in the central city that were going to be or were dilapidated. Um, he incorporated. He bought them. He's paying taxes on them. He came up with a brilliant idea to do what? Uh, basically, carbon farming, I think it's what it's called. We're using uh, wood chips and other organic matters to create soil. And we're doing it um, at the EPA uh, uh, regulations of at least 48 inches above ground in urban areas. Urban areas are saturated with lead, arsenic, and radon, and the average citizen does not know this. And if you plant your vegetables in this, and most vegetable roots grow 36 inches per se, that's what the, for, for the, uh, the 48 inches is for. Uh, your your plants are going to be taking up these um, toxins. So we got to do something to alleviate this. And my method is growing in this 48 inches above the toxic soil. Like a computer, a, a junk in, junk out, garbage in, garbage out? Yes, sir. All right. So you're putting in good stuff. Now, you said you're using, car- well, it's carbon. It's, you're using wood chips and other ingredients that mm-hmm. are natural. Mm-hmm. All right. Why uh, wood chips? Why are you using them? Wood chips, uh, wood chips comes from, it's just something that I witnessed as a teen um, in Mississippi. The uh, puck loggers would uh, bring the wood chips and dump them around um, the double wide uh, uh, trailers that my family was in. What loggers? Uh, puck loggers. They're called puck wood. We'll go tell, to explain that briefly. Uh, puck wood is, uh, to me, it's, it's like a soft wood that they use in the South. I don't exactly know what it's used for. But these guys, it's a lot of it around, and they just basically bring in the wood chips from doing all the, the lumbering. Okay. And the wood chips, uh, if they sit in a pile for two years, they turn into organic soil. So you're taking wood from where? I mean, are people dropping them off? Are you going out and getting it? Or? No, I have, I've been blessed to have two tree companies that deliver me wood chips daily. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this for the past three years. Okay. How long does it take for this to break down? Well, I'm... Well, it it says two years, but I've uh, like shrunk this down to like a year, maybe uh, sixteen months. Well, we're not going to go into any type <laughs> of you know looking up secret elixirs or recipes here. All right, so you got it down a, a year to sixteen months, so it breaks down. Why was the city of of Toledo giving you a hard time? Be- uh, basically, I didn't think they understood the process of the breakdown and what I was doing with the wood chips. They labeled me a nursery. They thought I was selling trees out of the neighborhood. Then they nurse. They labeled me a, a, a commercial um, composting operation, which I was neither. And basically, they just didn't understand what was going on. They needed to be informed. They needed to be educated. Okay, but they took you to court. Now, what what came of that? Basically, it went all the way to the appellate court, and uh, the appellate court reversed everything. Well, now let's, let's briefly go back a, l- a little bit. They took you to court. Why? Because they said the wood chips were garbage. Well, garbage? Or just rotting wood? It was You were just putting garbage in these lots? Well, the director, Tom Croma, said it was rotting wood and nothing would ever grow from it. Okay. And, and obviously, he didn't understand the, the object of the forest floor. The forest floor is rotting. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what basically compost is. Right. Uh, then they took you to court, and you went, what, how many times? Oh, we went for almost a year and a half. How many violations did they file? Uh, probably 29 violations. 29 violations? Yes. Holy Moses. Now, okay, you got 29 violations that are on you. I don't want you to go through the listing of them, but 
What was the most egregious violations that they accused you of that was not true? Uh, I, I mean, would, I would have to say basically the garbage, the the odor. Uh, they swore that there was a, a nas. Uh, uh, I can't even pronounce how they were saying it, but it was a horrible odor coming from these wood chips. And everyone knows that they use mulch. It's it's just wood. They smell wood, natural wood. And then they said there was rats everywhere. And the EPA and the, rats. Yeah, and the health department came out and couldn't find any anything. So they just basically told uh, the city official that I had. I, they couldn't find any violations for me. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rats. Did they say that the rats were. The rats. They say the rats were living in the wood chips. And you know the wood chips are like at 150, <laughs> 180 degrees breaking down. So yeah, you know, no they animal don't like can it that hot. Right, right. Even in the middle of the winter time, I mean, it's going to be too hot for them to be. In. So they said that they saw rats. They said they took pictures. There was rats everywhere. Did you see the pictures of the rats? And they never had any pictures to give us. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so you were bringing in vermin. You were actually creating trash and garbage. You Basically, were making... we were destroying the neighborhood. Someone's destroying the neighborhood. A person has has installed seven hundred and twenty shrubs and fruit trees in the neighborhood. We've probably brought in over. 46 dump truck loads of soil to create the berms around these beds. And then you want to say uh, for three years, at least at least every other day, three to four truck loads of wood chips for so three years. So you've been beautifying this at the same time while you were, you were creating the soil? That's, the per- that, that's something that we thought that being urban farmers, that most gardens don't look lovely all the time. Mm-hmm. So if we put landscaping around the gardens, which everyone does, that it would kind of conceal the gardens and add more value to the garden. It would, you know, be the beauty effect to it. Well, what'd you put in? Oh, uh, we got all types of junipers, spirea, uh, burning bushes. Uh, the uh, My thing is the, is the blue arrow. It looks like a spear. We That's probably, a juniper, right. Yeah, we probably got maybe 200 of those guys around. All around your, your property? Yes. Now you have flowering shrubs. You got you got color that's going to be there. The burning bush and the fall are going to be bright red. Do they turn color for you? Yes, the burning bush they turn from green to red. Viburnum bloom for you? Viburnum. They more like flowers. Okay. Oh, we have the Chicago uh, viburnum, which also turns slightly red. But in the spring, the flowers are just beautiful. And they're just gorgeous. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Now that you've basically, you said you went to an appellate court, and what did they find? They found the city that was. Uh, I don't. They just reversed everything is what I was told, and that they didn't understand why I was even there. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. So uh, now how is the neighborhood responding to what you have? Well, the whole neighborhood, we at the height of this incident, the Green Party came out, and we canvassed the five blocks that were adjacent to these beds, and we got 150 signatures where the people said they loved it. They thought the city was doing it. At the height of this, I want to say there maybe nine neighbors that were really fighting it tooth and nail. Nine out of 150, 200? It was more than that. But those it was a lot of people that were too busy. They were at work, so they couldn't you know, uh, do the um, flyer that we had around. But I want to say out of the nine people that were fighting it, there may be four or five left, and they're all friends. Okay. So, you know, they're just trying to stick together. Well, it seemed like that there was some politics involved, too. Well, the, it didn't help that the cousin, the council person, is the cousin to one of the, the neighbors that are complaining. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> a little nepotism. Okay. So let's get to the point where you're, where you're doing. You wanted to start with organics. Through the breakdown of all of this mulch into soil, what have you discovered that your soil is creating? I mean, in essence, I mean, let me go to the first crop that you, you basically planted. I mean, what did you plant? I and mean, what did you successfully plant in? 
Well, the first thing that, that let us know that the soil was ready were pumpkins. Okay. Our first uh, batch of pumpkins was, like, enormous. And we were basically we were composting pumpkins, you know, from the previous Halloween. And some of the seeds just took off. And started going wild. 2016, it was 256 pumpkins. Okay. Now. <laughs> from one compost. What did you pumpkin. do with them? Uh, I mean, we, every year we've been giving the pumpkins to the kids in the neighborhood in St. Pius. St. Pius Middle School is where one of my, my 10-year-old goes. We, every year we give those guys at least 100, 150 pumpkins. For, for the season, for Halloween? For the kids, yes. For Thanksgiving, Halloween, that sort of thing. Well, that's cool. When did you start getting into some something that was viable as far as a cash crop or something that you know the our, neighborhood could utilize? The cash crop, the, our biggest cash crop is uh, collard greens. The southern, the southern collard greens. Um, our biggest year was our second year. We um, harvested 7,800 pounds of collard greens, and we sold 5,900 pounds to one restaurant. Well, see, now i got to bring this to, to the people. If you're listening and you're, you're getting a little curious as to what's going on, the city of Toledo had this brilliant idea back in the early 70s of having what they called urban renewal. Urban Renewal, they had this three-dimensional layout of, uh, well, over here in Toledo, there's a street called Door Street. It was a Door Street corridor. There used to be a Hungarian district, used to be a Polish district, a Jewish district, a German, Irish, you name it. There's an African-American district, which was the Door Street corridor. They tore down all of the old houses. They tore down all of the old buildings. They tore down, tore down all of the, 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 there was a thriving uh, industry going on down there. I mean, there was retail business. There were barber shops. There were grocery stores. There were clothing stores all up and down Door Street. Now, they got rid of those, and this was in the early to mid-'70s. And they were going to beautify it with that three-dimensional you know, layout of buildings and brand spanking new. What's there now? Greenscape. <laughs> There's nothing there. There's no buildings. <laughs> no, nothing. This is the Door Street corridor. This is where you decided on your own because the city of Toledo – has not done anything basically to fulfill their promise of revitalizing the, the, the corridor or the neighborhood itself. So Thomas Jackson acquires properties. What kind of properties did you acquire? Uh, vacant lots that were basically demo properties. Okay, they had houses on them. They were mm. residential. They knocked down. Yes. All right. You got this this wood, which created mulch, which created soil, which then created these 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 foods for you. There's a food desert in northwest Ohio and in southeast Michigan, actually northwest Ohio, and it's Toledo. From downtown Toledo all the way down, oh gosh, I want to say the nucleus of the food desert is right where you are right now. So I'm going to go back. You're primarily growing greens, okra, what else? Greens, okra. Oh, last year we had a, a wonderful year with our watermelons. On Labor Day, we harvested two trailer loads of watermelons, and within 17 days, we had sold 13,200 pounds of watermelons out of the driveway. How many? 13,200 pounds of watermelons out of the driveway. Seeded watermelons, yellow, red, and orange. How'd the message get out? Word of mouth. That was strictly it? Word of mouth. Okay. So you almost 14,000 pounds. 14,448 for the year. Just in the first 17 days. Uh, of, uh, these are organic watermelons? All organic, all seeded. What kind of fertilizers have you been using to get that many? We aren't using any fertilizers. Okay, uh, now you got me. Uh, you've got 14,000 pounds of watermelon. How many square feet in this, I would say, lot? I mean, you've got... This, hold this, a bit back up again. How many, how many... If you were to total all the square footage that you have, how much acreage are you growing on right now? We're probably an acre and a quarter. Okay. 
So an acre is 43,560 square feet. So you're doing close to 50,000 square feet. How many square feet uh, were you able to grow those watermelon on? That was a uh, 90 by 40 foot area. So you've only... And that was only... That's 36,000 square... No, that's 3,600 square feet. And that was only three quarters of that bed. That bed also produced 3,000 pounds of cantaloupe and another 1,500 pounds of cucumbers. So that bed almost produced 19,000 pounds itself. So you're reinventing farming. Basically, I mean, instead of going with... I mean, you, you 14,000 pounds in like 36... Say, say three vacant lots. That's what this bed is. It's three vacant lots if you look you're at it like You're getting a far better yield than the average. I'm, I'm going to shut up or else we're going to get some people mad at us. You're reinventing farming. All right. We're doing it organically. They're saying that we, that uh, the hybrids and the, the, the poisons, the fertilizers can produce more. We don't even use fertilizers. Well, what did, what did grandma and grandpa do prior to World War II? I mean, there wasn't any of this. They came out with this, this slogan that said, better living through science, right? Right. Right after World War II. I remember when in grade school we had seeds that were radiated. They used radioactive seeding seeds that would make pumpkins the size of a house or watermelons the size of the Chevy pickup truck that you've got. Um, you know, we were playing with things that we shouldn't have, and it was kind of like fire. But that was right after World War II. What did Grandma and Grandpa, what did Mom and Pa do prior to World War II to get these things rolling? Chicken manure. Okay. Cow manure. Sheep manure. Rabbit manure. All of this organic stuff. Yeah. Veg, veggie scraps. I mean, it's in, okay, since, since they've got that going and you're not using any nutrients at all to fertilize it. No, the only, the only thing that we're using is compost tea after the plants are in the ground. You know, we, we'll, we'll, we'll ignite them with some compost tea. We'll just pour it down the rows. Okay, now we're going to have to explain something. What compost tea is, folks, is a breakdown of all of the nutrients that are in this rotting wood that the city of Toledo called Thomas's junk and um, water. And it, ba it basically percolates down to the to the soil level. Your beds are what about four feet deep? Well, the largest one is six. Six. The, foot the deep. average bed is three, three and a half, four foot deep. Yes. So what are you doing now in court? Did they ask you what the runoff was going to do? Were you using the, the sewers, or were you building things that you were going to be able to collect and save the the the, the runoff? Well, we don't have runoff because we built berms around all the beds that which retain all the nutrients. We didn't want. The, if we were going to lose the nutrients, we'd be losing our product. So those nutrients are basically considered compost tea. Right, basically. Okay, so you've got the compost tea that's naturally coming in from your rotting wood that's basically fertilizing, or not fertilizing, but giving nutrients. Now, here's something, people. Understand this. Let's think back to our fifth grade science class. Um, does anybody here know, raise your hands, what photosynthesis is? Do, 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 do. Now, come on, Thomas, I know you know, but and so he's laughing at me. Anyways, photosynthesis, what it basically means, it's a really, you know, kind of a technical word, light processing. The plants basically... Their, their leaves are going to be photocells. They process and make their own food. You don't feed the plants. So whenever you get a, a fertilizer that's out there that says plant food, they're lying to you. The plant basically makes its own food. What you're putting in with all of these synthetic products, and I can get into heavy detail later on, it's basically a byproduct of oil. So leaving that alone... Um, you're going to have uh, th this compost tea that Thomas has, the, the, the basic breakdown of all the nutrients into a liquid, and he's reusing that as a fertilizer or as a nutrient for the plants. So, okay, you're finding out that that works really, really well. Really well. Really well. All right. 
how often do you use that stuff? Every time we harvest. Every time you harvest. Well, well I would say we, 50%. Every, every other harvest, we will put it down to, to make the plants rejuvenate themselves faster. Okay, you know that this is the black swamp area, all right? And you've got somebody help, not helping, but you struck the attention of somebody from the University of Toledo. Dr. Crail. Dr. Yes. Todd Crail. And Dr. Farber from BG. Okay, both those universities. Yes. Now, what struck their interest into what you're doing? The soil. The soil. Yeah. They basically told me I figured it out, but they haven't told me what I figured out. (laughs) In other words, you've you've figured out, you know, George Washington Carver, but you basically figured out what the secret is, which is something that, let's say, the synthetic companies don't want you to utilize. The, uh, uh, let's say, the city proper i'm not going to say toledo but i mean any of these cities have been fighting it because they wanted to do what they thought that maybe they could make a buck out of this i think the cities have been trying to do urban farming since the 80s just like the urban renewal since yeah. the 70s but they just don't get things going they just it's it's all about uh you need someone with a drive someone with a, with passion to do this because it's easy for the city to buy the seeds it's easy for the city to get a work group together and do the initial planting but who's going to come back and do the weeding and the harvesting well, here's the thing. You, now we're going to go way back again before I interrupted you. You were you were you grew watermelon. You were growing greens. How many different types of greens? Well, last year we had uh, collard greens, mustard greens, turnip greens, and spinach. Okay. Do you have any tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, yeah. squash, green, anything green like green that? Green tomatoes are a, a, a lovely seller. Uh, okay. We had squash the previous year. We didn't do squash last year. Uh, uh, we, we ran into the uh, cucumber beetle and the squash borer. Okay, what'd you do about that? Uh, it's one of those things you gotta. Um, we well, our farm practices is when you're when you're organic, you must rotate your beds. Now, in science class, fifth grade, they discovered because of the dust. Well, it was the dust bowl in the '30s during the Depression that the cotton. Primarily down south. The bull weevil. And the bull weevil and all of the above, they didn't rotate their crops. And we thought, and we were taught, plants, certain plants are going to utilize or steal certain nutrients from the soil without replenishing it. Now, cotton took a lot of it out, and they didn't rotate. So I thought rotating meant that you were going to, you know, instead of planting cotton this year, we're going to go ahead and plant tomatoes this year in that area and put the cotton somewhere else. And leave certain nutrients for that and let, let the soil rest for a few years so that it replenish the nutrients that are gone. That's not wholly the, the, the scenario. Did you have any uh, help from any, let's say, big farms or big farmers that you were able to go and ask questions? Herzl Farms has always they've been in my corner since the first, I want to say first, maybe second year. Lou Co- Farms? Yeah, Lou Cosma there, the uh, manager and owner. Lou's been really helpful for years. I mean, he's, any question I got, those guys have been organic since the 80s. And any questions that I have that I'm not familiar with something, I just call him. The same Herzl's that supply tomatoes to, um, what is it, the Heinz plant? Exactly, exactly. So those are all organic tomatoes? Yeah, I, I want to say... Well, they're grown organic. Right, 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 right. Okay. Well, so you've got it. Now, he, did he tell you about rotating? Yes, yes, Lou brought that to my attention. About, okay, about and that was for the, the bugs also then. Mm-hmm. I'll be danged. Now, since you're rotating for the bugs, what did you replace with? Now, did you have the same problem? Was it last year or the year before? The year ever? before. Last year where the squash were, we uh, we um, switched beds and we, we uh, placed okra there. 
Uh, we did the tomatoes, we did uh, some beets, and we did cabbages. Okay. And we didn't have any issues. Now, in the food desert that we're talking about, all within that central nucleus of Toledo, the Door Street Corridor, there's no grocery store, so they got to go over to the big food stores that are a good three miles away, five miles away from each you know household in that area. You said word of mouth sold the pumpkins. Mm, yes. I mean the watermelons. Watermelons. Yes. And it got the pumpkins going. Word of mouth is selling everything else in your in your area. True, true. But we sell to restaurants as well. Okay. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to make the dollar through the restaurants where we can basically provide the same product to the people. There's a demand for it. There's now, a big demand for it. Organics. People need to be awakened to the toxins and the the poisons, the pesticides, the herbicides, and the um, fillers, and the, um, uh, what do we call that? The, sulf- the sulfate chloride that's in the um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, preservatives. Well, yeah, yeah. monosodium glutamate, all this yeah. stuff that's in there. Like the, 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 the antifreezes in our Pop-Tarts that we're what? feeding our kids. What? No, no, what? <laughs> yeah, that's Antifreeze the, and Pop-Tarts. Well, the, the lead and the Wheaties. Only the rich kids got the Pop-Tarts earlier. I'm not, because we, we had to pretend, we had to go ahead and put butter on bread with cinnamon and sugar on it. Well, and then, everybody's eating Pop-Tarts now. If the moms knew that they were feeding their kids antifreeze, they would stop it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't it's, know that It's a either. preservative that the FDA says in small amounts is not affecting us. But over a course of 20 years, don't you, you think that's adding up? Somehow, don't they? <sighs> yeah, with the citizens. Garbage in, garbage out. Hey. hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. So you are right now growing what you, I'm assuming you're sticking with hybrids. I mean, heirlooms versus hybrids. Everything heirloom. Now define that quickly so that people understand. A lot of people, believe it or not, Thomas, I've had kids come into the place that I work, Black Diamond Garden Center in Toledo, Ohio, and in Perrysburg, Ohio. And they have no idea where in God's good earth the tomato really comes from other than the grocery store. Now, you think I'm BSing you. A lady came in. She had more, more lacquer on her shoes. She was wearing a $3,000 suit. She had a BMW. She had, came in, and this is like mid-October. She was having a soiree. She wanted corn stalks and heard that we had corn stalks. The owner went over there, took her to the back. She goes, oh, these are beautiful, but what is that? And the poor guy's going, what do you mean, what is, what is that? She points at this thing on the corn stalks. And he goes and grabs it and goes, you mean this? And she said, yes, sir. What is that? He goes, well, that's an ear of corn, honey. She had no idea. None. Kids don't know where tomatoes come from except for the store. So heirloom versus hybrid. Please define. Well, a hybrid hybrid is two seeds that have been um, crossed to make something that's more disease-resistant and add color, better color to the product. Uh, heirloom is one of the older seeds. It's It tastes better. It's supposed to produce more. And what is the third one I'm looking for? The taste, the production. Well, I know you can take the seed from them, too, and you're going to be able to dry, for instance, on a tomato. Yes. If you take that tomato, you let it sun dry and the squirrels don't grab it, that, that skin on there turns plastic hard. Mm-hmm. And it saves all that moisture that was in there evaporates. 
and it saves those seeds. Those seeds will produce another plant next year that's going to produce a flower and some fruit. Now, I tried it with a hybrid grapefruit seed by spitting the pit out and just watching it grow. I have a 40-year-old grapefruit tree that's never had a flower on it. It will never produce any fruit because that was a hybrid seed. It was designed so you don't save the seed to go ahead and plant. Is that the same process that you're talking for your veggies? That's what I would say, yes. Okay. Yes. So you're going with strictly heirlooms? Yes. Okay. And the reason is is so that you can utilize the seed afterward, or is it because it's more organic? It's more organic. It's taste. Taste is going to sell. The taste. Taste, taste. I would rather have a better tasting product than a better looking product. So in other words, a super steak tomato, which is a heirloom, I mean a hybrid, Versus the regular tomato that Thomas Jefferson ended up coming up with. They're warty looking. They're deformed, but they taste much better. Don't tell me you make, you don't eat green tomatoes, do you? Oh, they, we love green tomatoes. Oh, Fried geez. tomatoes. See, that's Fried green tomatoes. Thing. Yuck. Everyone eats green tomatoes, Mike. No, they don't. Mike's from not. Mars, folks. My, I'm, yeah, I'm damn straight. I'm not. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Well, anyway, so you got, you're you using strictly heirloom seeds. Yes, yes. All right. And so your products are coming out. They're, 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 they're looking fine. I mean. I had, for my, the Ornanello, the heirloom seed that we use for the watermelon, I had a 60-year-old client tell me that she hadn't had a watermelon this sweet since she was in her, she was six years old. Okay. So okay. that's what we want. We want people to be happy with you the taste. taste. They go yeah. to the store. They're getting a watermelon. It's it's like it tastes like water. There's not a real taste. Yeah, I've, to it. I've had it where it's, but you know, hey, it's yeah. watermelon. No seeds in it either. You have to have seeds. The seeds are the nutrients in the watermelon. What? Yeah, you eat the seeds. No, you don't. Yes, you do. They grow in your stomach. It's full of nutrients. No, mom told me it grows. You know, my grandfather told Google me it grows it. in your stomach. The watermelon seed has like seven or eight nutrients in it. That's for you. I know. So you got to eat everything. What about it's the magnesium? What about the rind? There's a the white part of the rind. It, you're supposed to eat that too. But oh it, come it, it's, on! It's for the adults. You eat you you eat it. It's the white part. If you after you cut out the red flesh or the yellow flesh or the yellow or the orange flesh. The white part before you get to the rind, it's it's uh, like an aphrodisiac. Well, no. Wait, yes. a minute, wait a minute. I have to wear off of here. we got to find out. What it, for, <laughs> for both men and women? For everyone. Everyone, okay. Okay. Well, okay, the aphrodisiac on the, on the, on the white part of the rind. Google will tell you the same thing. All right. Okay, we're going back before World War II. I mean, we didn't have Doppler radar that's going to tell us when the rain's going to come or when the last frost is going to come. Um, we didn't have, you know, well, actually, what, what, what did we use? The moon. The moon changes the tide, which changes the water that's in the soil. It's like the plants get more uh, nutrient uptake during the, the lunar cycles. And that's why the old folks planted with the moon. All right. So you, you, when do you pl- – okay, I, I, I know this. Uh, people refer to the Farmer's Almanac mm-hmm. because they're still – I mean, farmers are even referring to the Farmer's Almanac. What is it? What, when do you plant? You're, you got your seeds started right now, right? Yes. What, green, what do you have started? We got uh, like 2,400 uh, collard plants. We got uh, 300 okra plants. Uh, we have uh, the maybe 150 of the baby um, uh, sunflowers that we're going to put around to, br- the, to bring in the bees. And like I said, we're just started. We've just been in, we've been in the greenhouse for five days. So you use pollinators too to draw them in. Oh yeah. Plus, you know, we want bees, so it's going to help us. Well, we want bees, is right. Yeah. But when do you, when when do you feel comfortable planting your your, the, your crop after the um, last frost? Well, when's the last frost? It's um it should be sometime in the beginning of May this year. 
Uh, but I mean, the beginning of May. It will be the, the beginning of May seventh. Will be that full moon that we plant under. So okay. I'm hoping so the May seventh this year. Yeah. So I'm hoping the frost is before that. The la- the last killing the last frost. killing frost. Okay, you heard it here. The last killing frost is after the full moon in May. Actually, there could be two full moons. So they say that it's the second full moon. If you have two full moons in May, it's you can't plant any. When did you plant last year? I think we missed a full moon last year. We planted after because all the water. All that water. That's yeah. right. We had rain water. For yeah. Midwest got drenched last year. Rain and it was dank and it was terrible. Oh, and another thing, the bed that had the, the largest production last year, the 19,000 pounds, we never watered it. Not one wait single time. Wait, 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 Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. That, that why what what do you attribute that to because of the rains and the accumulation of the water in your I, I, your, your berms I, I attribute it to the rain but I also attribute it to the, the the way we created the bed the bed's like a sponge when you walk on it it's really soft it's like you can bounce almost you don't want quicksand it, it's a sponge it's it's soaked up the water and kept it there for the plants if you dig down in these beds a foot and a half two feet you're gonna run into water okay so you got four foot berms. You're collecting that 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 well the water that water is basically your compost tea compost you're talking tea. about. Um, you're trapping and you're not allowing those nutrients to go to the sewer system. No, the, the plants are getting them. You're using strictly hybrid or heirloom vegetables. Heirloom whether seeds. Whether it's greens, cucumbers, tomatoes, okra, you name it, watermelon, it's going to be all heirloom. You plant at the after the last full moon in May, which is going to be May seventh this year. Because the killing frost, the threat of a killing frost is over. Um, anything else you think of right now? Try to stay away from the fertilizers. Find you another way of, of being organic. Because the fertilizers, they're not the answer. So we're, 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 when you're talking fertilizers, you're talking the synthetic ones. Yes. You're talking, you know, the the miracle grows. The Now, there's a number of, is there, I mean, I don't want mom to go and have their kids throwing around chicken manure all the time all over the place. I mean, not because it's not safe. It's just that, you know, it's dusty and they can get it in everything and anything. I mean, you know, you've got kids, you know, where they collect things in places you didn't even know existed. So, I mean, if you're going to be, you treat it like you would any other nutrient or any other fertilizer. Start it. Let's say this, let's start another topic for another time. Plants are cannibals. Uh, What? (laughs) They like to eat each other. No, 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 dude, explain that. Come on, you got people. That, that, I thought we were legit up until you said that. Hey, <laughs> they're cannibals. Uh, the the waste vegetable matter. Oh, the byproduct. Yeah, they oh. they like themselves. Okay, for our not- our second year, uh, we had okra plants, seven hundred twenty okra plants. Uh, the average okra plant grows between four foot and seven foot tall. Uh, we had. At least, out of the 720 okra plants, we had at least 600 of those plants that were over 14 foot tall. 600? 14 feet tall? 14 feet tall. How often do you harvest? Well, the okra, every five days, the okra are ready for harvest. So you only harvest the fruit. You don't do, you don't chop the plant down and then no. say that's it. One, one, one. So you had, how, how tall were they? 14 feet, foot. God. And we have documentation. We took pictures. After we pulled the plants up, we laid them on the ground and put a tape measure next. Are you on Facebook or anything like that? Yes, yes. Okay, so we can look up. What, what is, what's it under? Mighty Organics? Mighty Organics is, is a Facebook page, or you can go to Thomas Jackson at Jackson Industries. On, on Facebook? On Facebook. And it'll, it'll pop it up. And if you go to the mobile uploads, there's pictures in there. There's quite a few you got to go through, though. There's at least 1,600 pictures now, of the beds. I, I've seen some of them, and I know that you're going to see. Actually, you know, the... 
the landscaping, you're going to see this. Now, if, when you do pull it up, what is it, Jackson Industries and or Mighty Organics? Or Mighty Facebook? Organics, yes. You pull that up and you take a look. Go to Where, where do you have the photos? The at? mobile uploads. Mobile uploads. You're going to see the landscaping. You're going to see the area, that, that, and you're going to see the product, and you're going to see Thomas Jackson diligently working, correct? Correct. On all of the above. On everything. All 38 right. city lots, 720 shrubs and fruit trees, and we're producing at least 20,000 pounds. I understand you're going to do Hugo Mounds also. You're going to try uh, to get into the greenhouse end, the yes. aspect of it? Yes. The USDA just gave us our farm tracking number, so we're moving forward. We're a full-fledged farm now. Oh, you're, you're a legit farm. We're legitimate. We get everything the big guys get. So in essence, the city's not supposed to come back on you and bounce on your head again. No, no with the new mayor, the city's our friend. Well, okay, the city's the, the new mayor and the city's your friend. All right. I want to talk to you later on. Would you mind coming back on? Definitely, definitely. All right, because I want, to, I, want to, I want to bring some more. I want to talk while we're doing and in progress, while it's growing. The things you're running into that are problems, the things that are doing wonderfully. Well, Thomas Jackson, I want to thank you very much for coming on board. Um, and I'm thank you for telling us what you've went through. I hope it helped somebody else. If there's any questions that they have, they can contact you on Facebook. Yes, they can. And they can contact yours truly on it. Well, for that, I want to say thanks for the very first of uh, seasonal episodes, episode one. I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.